0: Welcome, welcome, travelers. travelers. We we're aware that your, your journey was difficult, difficult but, but prepare to have your questions, your questions answered, for you have been, been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern.
1: of Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman.
2: What's going on, everybody? What's Welcome to the show. Welcome to the, the Christmas week, Hanukkah week kwanzaa festivity
1: that's next week this is more like yeah,
2: we're not gonna have a show next week will we
1: i think we're doing a show next week oh well never mind it's the following <laughs> week it's the new year's the christmas week will probably take off
2: i'll introduce next week's show the same way okay. hi guys what's going on
1: <laughs> uh and we have our guest cory burkhart on the skype
2: hey guys how goes what's up dude how's it going we just we're like yeah we'll bring cory on next time he does well and then he top eights another gp so you know here you go. <laughs> welcome pretty, back. Pretty
0: perfect timing. Yeah, welcome. Especially after you guys had said all the kind words about me last week, and then I was reaching out to you guys and got to listen to the episode, and I was like, yeah, perfect right. timing to top in another Grand Prix and come hang out with you guys again. Yeah, yeah. I
2: saw that video of you on Facebook of uh, what happened when you found out you got in. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty
0: good. <laughs> it was going st- to sting way too much to finish ninth again, and yeah. I was also in this spot where four or five different times I thought I was eighth and I thought I was ninth after I'd won my match so uh emotionally i I had some emotions to expel. We'll say so this has been a pretty darn good season for you, right? I mean, this uh pretty- yeah, the last four weeks in particular have been kind of absurd, but the season has started pretty well I mean, like so two years ago, what was your best finish? I had two ninth place Grand Prix finishes. Both at 12 and 3, I believe, previously.
2: And now, since then, in the last two years, you've gotten... Would you go ahead and list off the, the, uh, the, the dossier? The last,
0: yeah, the last 18 months now, I have five Grand Prix top eights, one in standard, three in modern, and one now in limited. I have a team top eight, so we didn't make the elimination rounds, but that's another like just sweet thing. Um, I'm now a gold-level pro, testing with Team Channel Fireball. How many, uh, how many pro tours have you been to? I've been to so it was one before then. I played uh, Journey into Knicks and now I've played the last five in a row, and I'll play the next three this season. And hopefully, for as long as you know, I keep running exceptionally well and playing better than I used to.
2: And so the and your your highest Pro Tour finish thus far has been a
0: twenty-third place finish at Pro Tour. Battle for Zendikar, hoping to improve on that here in Dublin. Wow!
2: So it's been quite the it's been quite the eighteen months. It's been a good stretch.
0: Yeah, you could uh, call it good, and that'd be another statement.
2: <laughs> yeah, great. That's cool. So we're happy to have you on for for now, as you're in the in the middle of it. This is exciting stuff. Um, we have a great episode today, though, of all kinds of things to cover. Uh, it's actually an interesting conversation. Sometimes, sometimes I am on Twitter, and uh, my phone will buzz a lot because I have my Twitter and I have the Twitter of. This action movie show that I do, and then I will have I have the Masters of Modern Twitter, and uh, Kessler gets he gets into these conversations for the Masters of Modern <laughs> account, and I literally will get like seventy notifications in the span of two hours because Kessler goes on just a Twitter storm, and so then I'll sometimes have the patience to go back and try to find the whole conversation because it's just so many, and uh, there was a good one recently that we decided to base today's episode on and bring you on to talk about Corey.
1: So so before. We'll get into the news, but just to give a little bit of a preview of the episode subject matter. Basically, I went through, and I didn't do it through all of them because uh, there's a lot that I just don't think should ever be banned, or like I don't think will ever have a chance of being unbanned. Uh, but I went through basically a bunch of random cards, and I tried to sandwich it between likely unbans and then just you know like Hypergenesis, which will never be unbanned never. ever. Uh, just to make it so I wasn't like fishing, not giving my cards away on which cards I think should be unbanned. Um, so basically, went through every card of the ban list, and uh, Twitter had some responses, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna use some of those comments from the public. We're not gonna uh, just as a motivation and and to guide our conversation as we go through every card on the band restricted list in modern. Uh, we've done this before. We did this way back in, with Glenn Jones way back in the first couple episodes of the the show, and we always kind of revisit the modern ban list here or there. Well,
2: lots changed. It's a hundred plus episodes since you yeah. guys did that the first time. So uh, yeah, we're
1: gonna talk about it. And uh, but first, the news. Um, first off, I'm going to actually let Corey do this one. A, a, a well-known Magic community member just did so, something on Jeopardy. What, what was something impressive? So uh, former Wizards of the Coast editor Tim
0: Ayton, uh actually was the six-day Jeopardy champion. I believe he earned almost $100,000 over the course of his seven days on the show. Wild. Uh, he unfortunately lost a few days ago after, since we're recording this, but he will be going to the Tournament of Champions later on uh, in the coming year. So congrats to Tim. Big shout-outs for a six-figure payday. It's a pretty sweet run and pretty awesome thing. We had Ross Miriam also earlier this year on Jeopardy. So a bunch of Magic players getting involved in Jeopardy is really sweet. A bunch of smart people who know a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you accrue a wealth of knowledge being around Magic players, a bunch of smart people in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What else we got? We got a story
2: thing, Kessler. I'm going to defer to you on this one.
1: Okay, so the story (laughs) thing, and I'll give you the the last thing, so there's no (laughs) tournaments, but... uh, so today's story, which was called "Breakthrough" by Kimberly Crines, which I definitely didn't say her last name right, but great story. Uh, and it followed the Blue Green Legend from the uh, the last set. And the big thing that was revealed was that uh, Planar Portals are back. She invented mm-hmm. a Planar Portal. That was her whole, like, her whole ability. That was like pseudo Cascade. Was her like learning how to Planar Portal? So we might see some, you know, Phyrexians show up somewhere at some point in the future. Or some other terrible things. Armies traveling to other places. So now, those are back. The card planner portal, was that from Invasion? Is yes. That, it is, right? I think so. It's a six-man artifact? That like, lets you put stuff from your hand in the play.
2: Right. And is that in the story? In the Is that supposed to be reflective, or is it just totally unrelated?
1: Based on the story, I wouldn't be surprised if planner portal is one of the um, set... Uh, expeditions, or not expeditions, are they treasures? Yeah. For the next set? but we'll, we'll find out what happens. Well, look at that. A six-mana artifact from Invasion. I was dead on. Art by Mark Tieden. Does it does it let you yeah. sneak creatures in the play? Okay. It, all it right, does. Cool. So then, last piece of news, uh, we got oh, another... Oh, no, no.
2: It, uh, put, it's, it's, it's six. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand.
1: That's oh, tutors. Is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, last but not least, and this is all you Ben. There was another card spoiler. There's been a lot of spoilers recently, and I think none of them are on purpose, which is... Uh, Loose lips are sinking chips, but yep. uh, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, Oath of Ajani was spoiled, I think,
2: yesterday, uh, or maybe it was this morning, even. But uh, it's an, a legendary enchantment, green, white. Uh, when Oath of Ajani enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Planeswalker spells you cast cost one less to cast. Um, it's a good Oath. It's cool.
1: They're definitely... This the, This and Oath and Gideon are really sweet together.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know what's really interesting is that the this and the Ajani itself, the one we saw, the six mana one, They're definitely pushing this whole idea that you want to play a deck that has a whole bunch of both creatures and planeswalkers, as opposed to the idea of seeing like this card where you're like, oh, yeah, this is great to play in a planeswalker deck.
1: Sure. um, Well, but planeswalkers are also like all about making tokens. So this effect specifically, like if you play this into uh, Gideon four mana, this is a standard play, four mana Gideon into. Any of the other Planeswalkers that kind of put tokens into play, you're you're getting value there. But then late game, this then makes all the tokens that Gideon was making, gets them kind of an anthem.
2: Yeah, fully. I guess the only reason I mention that and I say it's interesting, because you're right. I mean, Planeswalkers are all about making tokens in general. I just say that because in my mind, I think about things in a very singular way. Like, I want to build a deck that has a theme and a feel. Mm -hmm. And when I think of Planeswalkers, I'm always thinking of, okay, how can I make the coolest Planeswalker deck? As opposed to, like, often how Planeswalkers are used, which is like, in a control deck or as like a top end or as like a you know two or three of or something not in a deck where you're playing 12 or 14 planeswalkers sure. and so when i see this i'm like okay this is gonna make my planeswalkers cheaper but i also have to have creatures that are in play to like make this good so how many planeswalkers can i even really play and it's 10 you know the relationship between the two effects is kind of tenuous
1: so i think anytime you have a cost reducing mechanic you have the ability to do kind of silly things and this yeah does that um the one thing I want to say about this, and this, I think O'Johnny's dying soon. I brought this up on the internet earlier. I think he's, uh, this is back to story stuff, but uh-huh. he's the Obi-Wan Kenobi of uh, the Planeswalker world. And, uh, so you think
2: he's going to die fighting Bolas?
1: I think he'll die either fighting Bolas or die saving Elsbeth from the Underworld.
2: Okay, true true story answer from both you and Corey. If they just straight up staged the scene from Star Wars 1 where Obi-Wan dies at the hands of <laughs> Vader. they just did it with him fighting Bolas and it was like totally 100% ripped off like he had some sweet line that he says and then he like puts his hands up and just dies. Would you be happy or
1: sad?
0: Happy, you'd be totally happy. Totally happy, <laughs> Corey. Happy, but man, there are so many spoilers going on. What are you going to do for those poor people that haven't seen Star Wars yet? Uh, the, the original <laughs> first Star Wars. The original <laughs> Star well, Wars. In, in
1: in their defense, it's technically the sequel to Rogue One. So <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, you know, it's in, in in their defense. You know, they've only had 30, 39 years to watch it.
1: So yeah, but now they're extra motivated. Now that Rogue One came out, and they're going to see it and be like, oh, what happens next? I'm like, well, here's a leaked copy. It's called. Star Wars. <laughs> also, spoiler alert, guys,
2: Kessler was at the freaking premiere. The yeah. real so LA the premiere. Sequence. He's seen it already. We're also going to see it after this for a second time from, and I'm seeing it again tomorrow. So, by next week, there'll be a huge amount of Rogue One discussion and Kessler wants to like mouth off a little bit about it at the end of the episode. He was pretty
1: clear. I was, I was thinking was it, maybe. I mean, I might have opinions. <laughs> I was thinking maybe wait till you see it for next week right. and uh, since like Releasing it today, people have already seen it, so I no longer have super secret tech. But once we've both seen it, it won't qualify as you mouthing off anymore. But I'm fine with that. <laughs> 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 All right. Now let's uh that's it for the news today. Um and let's do some of the shout outs before we get into the actual main episode. I am you should follow the podcast on Twitter at the MM Cast. I am at Kess Wiley. You can find
2: me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Corey.
1: Uh
0: I am at Corey underscore Burkhardt on Twitter, and you can also hit me up on Facebook at uh, Corey.Burkhardt15.
1: Uh, and you can, you know, I would recommend checking out uh, Collected.Company. That is the new website that we're on with the Command Zone. Uh, I just filmed one of those sweet play deck videos oh, with yeah, them yesterday. That was cool. So I'll be on, I think that comes out in January. Um, they do those Those are really cool too. I feel so um, left out because I don't play Commander. I know. You could just play. <laughs> yeah. You know how to play Magic. You could just literally take a Highlander deck Yeah. Bring it with you. That'd be cool. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I think beyond that, uh, donate to the Patreon. Uh, Starting in January, there'll be kind of a new way it works, but uh, this will be super exciting. Swag boxiness. Go to patreon.com slash MMcast. And then make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're listening to this now on YouTube, subscribe right now. Don't even just don't wait to subscribe. Just click on that button right below. And uh, you can, if you're not listening on YouTube, uh, we do cool videos. There's cards that show up. If you don't know what cards we're talking about, uh, there's, you know, sweet, funny little, gift things that our editor throws in there to make fun of us
2: yeah he's great uh on the patreon note one last thing to add in guys is anybody internationally who's uh waiting to have your Patreons for the last few months satisfied we do them in sets of three so we're satisfying all of the final shipping for 2017 now between kessler being out of town and the holidays uh we've been a little bit behind on that and guaranteed by the new year that's all sorted so thank you for being patient with us and uh, let's get into the episode yep
1: all right so modern band list Just going to go down it, and then we're going to talk about, should this card be unbanned?
2: Well, yeah, so let's let's give just, I I preface a little bit first, but let's just kind of have a brief conversation about this, because we're in a different place right now with Modern as far as the banned list and its role, because there's no longer a Modern Pro Tour. So the, the Modern and its history and the bannings that would happen for the longest time were a result of the fact that Wizards wanted to change the format up to make a Pro Tour more interesting. Um, this is how you got a lot of the decisions that were made over the last little while. Now, Modern has been a non-ProTour format for, what, Corey, like four or five months? Is that right?
0: Yeah, I don't even know if it's five months in total yet, but that, that sounds very close to what it was, yes.
2: So now you have a format that is pretty well balanced. You have a couple big bads of the format, one of which is a deck that was result of a particular unbanned card. Um, I mean, a combination of that unbanned card and some new cards being printed, but specifically Dredge um, and its relationship to Golgari Grave Troll is the biggest cause of, a, of an aggressive unbanning on Wizard's part. Um,
1: other than that... You have a format that's pretty healthy. Yeah, but it's, I would argue the unbanning on that isn't what caused dredge to be good. It's all the Shadows of over Innistrad cards. I, I just said that. Huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah. Sorry>. um, <laughs> 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 I was getting my phone because I have this cool yeah. map of all the history of unbannings
2: in the history of modern. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it is a combination of those two things. But it is it was the catalyst for the whole thing. And then the printing of the new cards is what really pushed the creativity to make the deck work. So what we had in mind is there are some cards that, that are on this banned list, guys, that like skull clamp, for instance. Nobody on this podcast, nobody in the modern community, ever makes arguments unless they're talking about completely unbanning everything. That well, something I think like, we
1: could, we could, we could speculate what would happen.
2: Yeah, agreed. But I'm saying there, there are those people that have the conversations about what happens if you unban every card in modern. How does the format look? Uh, and, it's
1: mental misstep format.
2: Yeah, and those are the only people that argue. People for things hold tournaments like skull clamp being unbanned. Sure, but there are probably five or six cards that are consistently discussed as you know should this be unbanned why was this banned in the first place should this card be banned and so that's that's the conversation we want to have today and this is a a creative discussion between the three of us um Corey, obviously you mentioned three of your grand prix top eights have come in the modern format so you have a lot of experience at the highest level kind of and, and i think would have a pretty strong grasp on what the format does and doesn't need at the highest level so um, that's where we're going to start the conversation, and interestingly enough, uh, right at the top of the
1: list. Ancient Den, which I think if we're going to do Ancient Den, we should probably just do all the Artifact Lands. Yeah,
2: definitely. So I think let's, uh, because Corey, you're not here with us, we can't see the shocked reactions on your face. Um, just interject whenever you have a thought, because we'll try to throw to you, but obviously we want to just Will go do. Jump, just jump around on this. So the Artifact Lands.
1: So, so I think there's, there's a couple conversations that are interesting. One is all of them. And one is yep. one of them. And and I think if all of them were unbanned, I don't know if Infinity becomes that much more nuts than it is. What I do think is it just becomes more glass canity and much more just like if you have a good hate card, they can't win. And if you don't, they're a little bit more consistent and explosive. And I don't know if that's a good thing for Magic.
2: Um, I also think that if you unban all of the artifact lands, there's a there's a bunch of... Like degenerate new decks that I think are born out of it. I think the idea of having a a really dominant, slightly a little bit unfair, like sort of grindy artifact control deck gets to be becomes a lot more likely. Um, a, a, like a Tezzeret deck and things. like- I just think that there's a lot you can do there. Um, the power of a card like Mox Opal obviously gets pushed way, way, way more aggressively. My opinion is that it, because you have to start with Darks of Citadel here, you have to ask yourself the question when they decided to ban the five colored artifact lands in modern the inception of the format why did they leave dark still citadel unbanned was it because they felt that just having one that produced no color was of no threat to the format right did they consider leaving one with color maybe unbanned what do you think cory
0: so this is actually i, I actually diverge from you guys on this one i actually would unban these lands i actually think affinity in its current form is falling a little bit out of the meta game i think that affinity is still a good deck i could still see people you know playing it at a grand prix and winning tournaments but it goes in line sort of with my philosophy of what the ban list should look like you brought up mox opal earlier i think mox opal is a card that is over the line i don't believe that mox opal should be legal got it but i think if you do ban mox opal i think you neuter affinity's explosiveness so much that you need to actually give them a toy to still exist. Now, I, I,
2: can, I can agree with you there, by the way. If you're talking about banning Mox Opal, then I think banning Mox Opal makes unbanning the Artifact Lands a lot more palatable.
0: Right. I also think that giving these cards to just the ability to build decks with them is actually somewhat interesting. We, w- we might see a uh, Disciple of the Vault based affinity deck that's actually using colored mana sources and is trying to produce black mana more so than just this, well, I either have Galvanic Blast or Thought Cast, and maybe I need some colored mana for my sideboard cards, and they try to get that off of Glimmer Void and Springleaf Drum and currently Mox Opal. But then you could also have, like you were talking about, maybe a Tesserit Agent of Bolas deck. Maybe you have a Thirst for Knowledge sort of like blue control deck come out of this. I think that unbanning these cards actually leads to net positive things, assuming that you're willing to take them as more a part of the whole system and the ecosystem of what cards actually currently exist in modern. And the biggest offender that they currently have is, you know, the metal craft mana accelerator that is Mox Opal.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, there's a good argument made that just by giving people color options with their artifact lands, instead of being stuck with a colorless indestructible one allows them to play a little bit more fast and loose with their lands. And it offers completely other decks. Like you get stuff where they could be playing the mer plus, um, Evolution, the evolution card that you sack it to get something that's too bad. Right, right. Um, yep. what, what's that called? Eldritch Evolution. Eldritch, Eldritch evolution. evolution. So you like if you just unban the green one by itself, that that's an opportunity in itself, and right. you get all these other cool ways to play. And Mox Opal. Is a much Wait, more mirror superior. What are you talking about? Mirror superior, not mirror superior. Um, what's the seven mana affinity mirror enforcer? Mirror enforcer. Got Sorry, it, I it, apologize. Got so got real excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't. That gets you a four drop. <laughs> just cast a four drop. <laughs> you could do it with the birds of paradise on turn four. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> bigger hoops. I'm trying to cast nine drops here. Um, but yeah, so that's. I mean, that's you know some of the things you could do with these lands. So that does offer, I think, a lot of cool ways to do it. And you get really punished for playing these lands, especially right now, because you just have. A Vandal Blast just destroys all your mana. A Stony Silence makes it so you can't tap your lands for mana. Like, that's a lot of uh, weaknesses that these kind of open up for these decks that Definitely. offering people a little bit of a new way to play with them is interesting.
2: I think the point we're, we're, we're making here about Mox Opal is the most interesting thing here because if you're going to leave Mox Opal legal in the format and if you don't feel the need to aggressively ban it, and you mentioned, Corey, that Affinity is falling out a little. So with that being said, uh, the, the, the need to ban Mox Opal uh, is, is lower Um, But if you were going to ban Mox Opal, would you just unban all the Artifact Lands? And if you're going to leave it legal, then is it possible to unban one or two Artifact Lands?
1: I think it it happens one after the other. I think if they ban Mox Opal, which I don't think right now is the time they're going to do that, but eventually they could. If they ban Mox Opal, Affinity then kind of dies. And they're like, oh, Affinity died. We kind of like that there was that aggressive deck in the format. And then a year or maybe a year and a half later, they unban all the Artifact Lands. Right.
0: I prefer if they have, they have it in tandem. I also would prefer greatly that you don't unban just one of these lands. I think it sends the sort of wrong messaging that, hey, one of these lands is more important than the others. And sure, certainly that is the case. Certain colors play better with artifacts than others. But there's also just sort of the aesthetic appeal to all of these are legal or none of these are legal. You don't have to have to explain to somebody that, oh, yeah, the Ancient Den one, that's a problem. But you go look at Vault Whispers, oh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's, that there's just sort of a weird mixed messaging there. Um, but yeah, I do, I do believe that strongly it is a thing that if Mox Opal exists, I don't believe that these artifact lands exist, but if the artifact, the artifact lands do exist, then you probably shouldn't have Mox Opal or vice versa.
1: Gotcha. Um, All right. So next card. And this one, this one is, uh, speaking of... Me winning that thing, or spoilers. Me possibly winning that thing this last this last weekend uh, with a with a Highlander deck, birthing pod because I won it with birthing pod. That card's nuts. Yeah. Now
2: birthing pod <laughs> to me, there's a few <laughs> cards on this list to me that are that are very clear. We don't need this in modern. And birthing pod to me is one of those cards. It's funny because the, the other one, obviously, that the same discussion will probably happen later about a splinter twin. But birthing pod, the issue is, it, it just it makes those decks, those birthing pod decks, so Uh, homogenous like you and and every creature you print going forward is an issue you have to try to try to balance it i mean we saw what happened we saw exactly what happened after that card was legal and played with prominently for over a year like it just became three years but yeah but i mean really when it picked up steam it it was like two years okay it was the deck for like (laughs) it it was definitely the deck for no longer than a year but it was like the deck for about a year
1: But it was a major part of the metagame before, but then it became the best deck for about a year.
2: Yeah, and when it was the best deck for a year, it was pretty oppressive. It wasn't oppressive in the way that, like, the worst cards that need to be banned are oppressive. It just made a lot of games play in a very, very similar way, plus the huge amount of shuffling... I don't think there's any reason for, especially considering you have, it was replaced by collected company. You have other cards that do similar things that are great. Like collected company is the better version of this card for, for fair play in modern. It's not a better card in terms of power, but the, the chance effect is just better. It's a better, with court of calling and company, like you don't need pod. What do you guys think?
0: I agree strongly with that. I mean, this deck single handedly reduces deck diversity because it has access to silver bullets basically at, at a whim with nine tutor effects between Court Calling and Birthing Pod to just shut off combos. Um, while it also shuts off combos, it also has the ability to just shut down mid-range decks pretty effectively. I think this deck just ruins deck diversity in a sense of because it can do the same thing every game, as you are talking about, it just plays out the same way, it really just hurts sort of what modern is supposed to be where there's this explosive crazy impact thing happening and instead you're just dying to some random hate bear that they brought in.
2: I think the other thing to pay attention to, and and this will be a theme here with a lot of the cards we talk about today, but uh, Phyrexian mana just as a concept is really dicey. Like, whenever you look at a card in Magic and you're like, oh, is it fair, is it not fair? You have to remember just the fact that the game has been designed for so long in the way it has with the colors being representative of their effects. Like, this card can be played in any deck. That's a problem. That's not... When a card this powerful can be played in any deck... You're not talking about, like, and it's funny because Gataxian Probe is massively powerful. You're not talking about a free card draw. You're talking about a, one of the most universal tutors ever printed, and it's colorless. It's insane. In a deck that wants to be powered by mana dorks, you can play this on turn two. I mean, there's a reason it's gone, and <laughs> I don't see it. should not come back anytime soon.
1: Okay. Yeah, I guess, the only positive I would argue is that right now we live in a format that... There are so many hyper aggressive decks that attack from completely different angles, and offering a deck that's able to find those things to be able to combat those decks consistently might allow the format to be a little bit more handled by a player. But I agree with your statements, kind of pretty fully. Cool.
2: Let's sorry, continue. Kessler. I, know.
1: I want it back. It was so sweet. Oh, here he is. Here's a fun one. Blazing right. Shoal. This yeah. came
2: from the very first Modern Pro Tour. This was this was a banning after the very first one when Sam Black pioneered the original All In Infect deck that was. Ditching Reaper King, right? It was ditching Reaper, Reaper King to Blazing Shoal, so you could power up an Infect creature. Wasn't that what was happening? Reaper it was King and Progenitus, Dragonstorm
0: and Progenitus, I believe. Yeah. It so was, was a nine Reaper mana King. spell and a ten mana spell. So I, you would try to cast Blazing Shoal on a Blighted Agent or an moth Nexus, um, both of which are usually unblockable. moth Nexus has flying. There weren't many creatures around in modern. That is, people were just dying on turn two and turn three every game. Um, and you know you would take ten or eleven points of infect damage.
2: Did I really just make up Reaper King? He didn't, yeah, I think you did. Even though it's, it makes no difference. I mean, that versus Progenitus in the deck is exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. He's never going to cast Progenitus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I, the the one thing I would say about Blazing Shul is I don't think it should be unbanned. I think it's fine where it is. Yeah. But I think it being on the ban list is a really good argument for Becoming Immense leaving the the non ban list. I think the fact that this is banned and Becoming Immense isn't are arguably, the, the, the hoops you have to jump through for both are pretty comparable. Um, and so it, it's a good sign for Become Immense not being legal and modern for as long as it, it in the indefinite future. I'm close with you on that one. I'm not... I've had people argue that it should be unbanned because Become Immense is fair. So if that's the case, I think the reverse...
2: Yeah, I'm close with you on that one. I mean, when you consider you have to have this card, another card, and the correct creature for it to work... Versus the other one, where you just have to have generically your graveyard and one other spell to push your creatures' damage through if it's early in the game. Um, the difference is that I really think that I mean, and you know, look, any any argument that anybody makes about the cards and, and the results from modern four or five years ago are totally skewed. People did not understand the format like then, so if well, yeah, this, this was, was also
1: banned after what one tournament. So this saying. was banned because of the turn yep. two rule.
2: I mean, if they were to unban this, who knows what would happen? Maybe this wouldn't. Maybe this wouldn't be a thing. Maybe like, maybe people would still just prefer to play become immense because it fits in in the.
1: Well, like it, the the argument I, I, that I kind of see on that is the infect deck as it lives now is a much more consistent deck than the blazing shoal infect deck. Kind of will ever be because this deck scoops to a lightning bolt <laughs> versus the infect deck that has so many different ways to play around it and infects not playing red already it's not gonna like it doesn't have space to put in these giant green dirty creatures so it's a completely different deck um there's I mean there's different arguments on either side I do think blazing shoal is much more of a glass cannon deck than infect is
2: hundred percent because think about what happens in, when you have in your open hand you have your creature you have your blazing shoal and you have a, your progenitus and they thought sees you like it's a different conversation when they take your become immense they're for one you and not leaving you with something trashy in your hand. When they do it to this one, and they take your Blazing Shoal or take your Progenitus whatever one, you have a card that is unplayable unless you draw the second half. And that's that's my argument where I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, maybe Blazing Shoal would be fair at this point. I think people would play it because
1: it's still a turn two kill, but I think it's a much more glass... It's much harder to... It's a. It's like a. You're gonna lose sixty percent of the time just from your opponent being able to interact with you at all, right? And win the forty percent of the time if you get your matchups lucky, you'll just win. But that's you know, it's much more of a roll of the dice. It's kind of like Goryo's Vengeance.
2: I was just gonna say it's the Blazing Shoal is feels comparable to what Grishol Brand is doing versus like, uh, you know, Amulet Bloom is what Infect is doing. Like that's like sure. That's like kind of how it feels to me,
1: Corey.
0: I think for the overall goals of the format, I think this is something we'll end up going over a few times on this podcast. Is Uh, the sort of power level of the card versus how powerful it would actually be in the current format. We don't see Gorio's Vengeance running around very much. Like, we don't see the Grishol brand running around. But there are cards in that deck that are clearly over the line. Simeon Spirit Guide, I think, is a card that is clearly over the line. Uh, Blazing Shoal would be another card that is clearly over the line. They have this stated rule of the format that they made, you know, five years ago or four years ago after that Modern Pro Tour that is, hey, we want people to make it to turn four alive having these cards legal, people are not making it to turn four alive. Right. Now, you can argue current, mo- uh, current modern, in fact, has the ability to kill on turn two, has the ability to kill on turn three. It is over the line. It certainly has draws that are there. I think there are arguments you can make saying, hey, we either need to brand Phyrexian mana, we need to ban Become Immense. Um, but I think unbanning Blazing Shoal just opens up that door for, let's just be two ships passing a night, and let's just see if I can goldfish you on turn two. I don't think it's a world we want to live in.
1: Yeah, I, I guess my point was more Become immense will probably leave because Bla- blazing shul, or blazing shul is a precedent for Bla- become immense going away versus the reverse of blazing shul coming off.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a very good argument. Yeah,
2: um, let's continue. Next, moving. This yeah.
1: is this is a this is a hot button issue. This is uh, one of the this is one of the most important ones. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I'm glad that the alphabetical order of these is going to sprinkle these kind of like well distributed of the hot button talking ones. Uh, Bloodbraid elf ending the bees. Yeah. I mean I, I, I've gone on the record many times that this card just shouldn't be banned. It's a couple of card. I feel the same way. Look. I don't think it's necessarily better than other four drop options in the format right now, and I'm not even sure Jun wants to be playing too many four drops anyways. Scaling its power level down uh, to a three,
2: this is as powerful as Colagon's command. This is to me like that is like Colagon's Command at three to me is as powerful as Blood Elf at four. Like that's how I feel. I don't think that I don't think that this card as a two for one in that deck is Crazy, like it just doesn't feel even, even
1: this into Colgan's command is strong, but a Colgan's command power level to me, at least, and, and Corey might disagree, uh, comes from being able to like choose the moment you play it and take advantage of it correctly. Where Bloodbird Elf is just like, okay, I at best I like discard and do damage to you, which is worse than Blightning on every level. <laughs> we're, so- gonna, we're
2: gonna see. Um, with Yahini Yahini's expertise, right? That's the new card. The four drop, yeah. We're gonna see yep. what happens with Yahini's expertise and ancestral vision. We are literally going to see what happens here. Is that a thing that that freaks people out? Is that gonna be a thing where people are like, "Oh my goodness, this is so unfair"? And if it is, you can say Bloodraid Elf might be a little unfair to Unvan. but I, I, have,
1: I know people that have done testing with Blood-Braid Elf in like uh, teamer builds with ancestral visions where they're yeah. cascading, and they're like, it's mediocre. Like, it's, just it's never still hit. good, but it's just, like, well, when you, you don't hit it very often, and even when you do, it's, like, it's fine, but it's not, like, getting a 3-2 and drawing three cards is worse than Bedlam Reveler, almost. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, it's not, but, like, there's, there's definitely arguments for it, sure. it just being fine. Yeah, what do you think, Corey?
0: Bloodbraid Elf is a card I'm really close on. I have it. I have a list basically that is just the, I'd like more time to think about these, I'm not certain about these yet. Bloodbraid is at the very top of that list.
2: So you think there's a chance this card is in fact, just didn't take the bullet unfairly for Deathrite Shaman and in fact maybe is unfair enough to stay on the list?
0: The Cascade mechanic in its own, like, yes, you can compare it to Yeheni's Expertise, which we'll be getting with Aether Revolt, the ability to just cast a three mana spell for free. The difference there is that spell has to be in your hand. Sure, you're getting some sort of choice of the matter where you hold the spell in your hand, you're going to time it right when you want to do the minus three, minus three to the board, and then when you want to cast your free spell... Whereas this one, you're drawing a card literally off the top of your deck and just casting it immediately.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess the other for the flip side card, and it costs five, is Dark Dwellers into either Boombuster or Ancestral Vision is the other one that people talked about a lot. And it got a lot of play in that very first Grand Prix, but doesn't show up so much now.
1: Well, but I, I want to compare this. Like, beyond those spells, I'm not sure I would play Elf over um, Kia and Pirin or... Kia uh, and, Kieran, yeah. P. and Kieran or uh, Kalidus. It, like, depending uh, on the metagame... I over those two. Like, even in, like, with the Dredge-heavy metagame, having a Graveyard Exile ability versus just a random 3-2 that might get outclassed? The, uh, the,
0: the problem with Kalidas is it just comes down way too late in the game to be considered a Graveyard hate card, I think, against Dredge. To, to really sure, consider it a sure. Graveyard hate card against Dredge, you also need to be sideboarding in you know, some real pieces of hate. Like, sure, you usually have between two and three Scavenging Uses, and we'll just call it your Jund deck for now. Um, and then maybe you have two copies of Kalidus, you still need other pieces of graveyard hate to get you to the point where you have the mana to use your scavenging is, you have the mana to deploy your Kalidus. Bloodbraid Elf is sort of going to dig to those pieces, maybe not in the most efficient manner, but damn, is she a powerful card. I just think,
2: uh, okay, my thing is, when Bloodbraid Elf got banned, how much time did Jund spend trying to replace it, figuring out what the card they were supposed to play in the four-drop slot was. It was like it was months and months of, like, Chandra and Huntmaster of the Fells and all and Olivia. Olivia. Yeah, all these all these attempts to figure out, and none of them really ever were like, oh, yeah, that's 100% the card you're supposed to play. I guess at this point, Kalidus is kind of the card that has become that four-drop no in the deck. Like Chandra,
1: P, and Kieran. I mean, the deck has also moved away from four-drops. It's playing, like, there's the one that plays only two-drops. It's playing four right. of... Um, Grim Flare. Grim player. Yeah. So, like, that's my other point is right now, I don't think the format's even necessarily. Like, Jund isn't doing well, probably because the four drop slot isn't valuable right now. You so need to play multiple. What, I, what I'm drops. saying
2: is the flip side of that argument is people, for the longest time, said, well, it's okay. You'll just play this other four drop. We were kind of wrong about that. It took a long time. It shifted. In this card's day in Modern, it was the most agreed upon card in this deck. It was like. It was absolutely uh, stint. That, and death right Okay, surely onto yeah. the bill,
1: <laughs> but I mean, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it was the most agreed card, other than the other six cards that make the deck.
2: I guess what I was trying to get at was the most agreed upon four drop in the deck, but yeah, yeah, it was a hundred percent, though. It wasn't sure. like, a,
1: oh, do I play this or do I play
2: Olivia? It was like, come on, this is this card's unfair, play the unfair card.
1: I think we're going to go through this list, and Bloodbraid Elf looks a little silly compared to other cards. I agree. I agree. So let's continue so going I, down. Yeah,
0: certainly compared to other cards, I don't believe that she's the most powerful card on the list. I believe that she may be the closest card to coming off the ban list that I would be a little uncomfortable just saying, yeah, let's have a 4-mana 2 ace that cast a random spell.
1: So, so, we have you on the record really saying cool. that artifact lands are safer than Bloodbraid Elf to come off the list. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the but next. There ca- was, the, there was
0: the kicker that I think Mox Oval needs to go. Fair, fair, fair. So, the
1: next
2: card mentioned here, uh, and this this actually came to mind just a second ago, Corey, when you were talking about Simeon Spirit Guide, because I started to ponder the difference between the two cards. Um, obviously, Chrome Mox, which is the next card we're talking about, and Simeon Spirit Guide are not the same card. But in terms of what they do for the format, that, well, and precedence, yeah, and the reason Chromox is banned is the same reason people get frustrated playing against him. In Spirit Guide, um, the hands you keep with a Chromox very often are hands that are all in Glass Cannon. I can win a turn faster. Hands not so I have an extra land early in the game that's going to serve me up to turn seven. It's like it's to go go off really quickly. Um, do you think Chromox is that much more powerful than a Spirit
0: Guide? So this is the funny thing, where Alex brought up the point of comparing Blazing Shoal to Becummiments. This is my comparison to Simeon Spirit Guide. Simeon Spirit Guide, you're just exiling one card from your hand. So instead of you have a seven-card hand, you now have a six-card hand, but you get a Lotus Petal that taps for red. Chrome Mox, you're using it more often than not as a one-time mana source, occasionally a two-time mana source, but you're just trying to get that mana for one turn, but you're spending two cards to get that mana. You're both playing the Chrome Mox and imprinting something on it. You're spending two cards to usually get one, maybe two mana to do something completely unfair, something completely broken. So you're Simian saying Spirit you think God this is God more is than fun? this card? Oh, really? Yeah, I think Simeon's Spirit Guide is just better than Chromebox. Like, I am more terrified when my opponent doesn't even have to put the spell on the stack. It's not in a zone I can interact with, and they just do something with their Red Lotus Petal. I, th- like,
1: I, I, I think it also it depends, because it depends how many turns... And, and right now, Simeon's Spirit Guide does this. You get one turn, but I'm going to win on that turn. Chromemox does give you... F- extra turns beyond that first to also have that advantage so like i would say this would have been completely 100 played in splinter twin decks back in the day
2: hmm, because absolutely.
1: because on turn two then you get the you literally get to go off on turn three instead of turn four
2: and so many of the cards for in that simian deck.
1: spare guy which did nothing in that deck
2: so many of the cards in that deck were so interchangeable in terms of their
1: interaction yeah, yeah. but just having this available so that that is kind of the big difference is lasting power versus quick power, but the fact that this also costs you an entire extra card versus Simeon Spirit Guide, which is just a one-off card, is the other half. So it's definitely a here or there. Are you going to win this turn? Hmm. Either way, you're doing unfair things, and I I agree with um, Cory on both both ends. I I think Simeon Spirit Guide and Become Immense are my two, like, number one and number two cards that I think should possibly be considered to be taken And out are you saying
2: that. then it, you would unban Chromox or no?
1: No, I think, I think Chromox is an example of why Simeon Spirit got you come off.
2: Okay, gotcha. Let's continue moving on the list to another early banning, Cloud Post. Um, now, did Cloud Post even make it to the first Pro Tour,
1: did it? No, it wasn't the first Pro Tour. It was, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's what it dominated was, it until it lost.
0: It was the most popular deck or on, I think it was Magic Online or in terms of like what was being talked about in articles and podcasts at the time. And it made up, I believe, the majority of that field where this was the big mana deck trying to just make 6-9 some absurd amount of mana by turn 2, turn 3. Um,
2: playing yeah, Emrakuls and, and Primeval Titans it and was, stuff. It was banned exactly.
1: alongside Rite of Flame, Blazing Shoal, Green Sun's Zenith, and the pre- Priority and Ponder ban. Got it. Okay, it yeah.
0: Was, it was the poster child of, you need to be faster than this deck to be a broken deck. This right. deck was usually tightening you on turn 3. So you needed to just kill them on turn three.
2: Yeah, things that were born out of this banning Tron number one. That was the next best thing you could do, yeah. and that became.
1: And I think Tron is a fairer version of Cloudpost. I don't like. I I have no. Yeah, and I, I don't think this is an example of this card's banned. So Tron should be banned. I think Tron is a fairer deck than this. It does something slower. It's just yeah. Like I think the difference is is there, and you have to work for it versus Cloudpost, which literally you just played the lands in your hand. You didn't. They weren't playing many expedition maps they were just playing lands cuz all of them were cloud posts. I remember this yep. yeah,
2: I remember this card being heavily discussed, this deck being heavily discussed leading up to that pro tour. I just couldn't remember if like it was in the
1: No, it was it was the most played deck at that yeah, pro yeah, tour. Yeah,
2: gotcha. So long ago now. All right, let's con- I think we can all kind of agree on yep. this one.
1: But continuing the land train dark depths uh, so for those who don't know dark depths it combined with any effect that Kind of can either copy it in a specific way or just remove all the counters on it. Creates a 2020 indestructible flying. Thespian on
2: stage and vampire hexmage are the two played ones. Ether snap is the third effect that can do it, and hex parasite if you have enough mana it does it. But those are basically the four ways that you can get rid of the counters. It's it's,
1: it's you play hexmage and or Thespian stage. Yeah. I, I this card shouldn't be unbanned. <laughs> no, this card's been ri- ridiculously broken. We're talking about banning it in Highlander Roulette, a format that is comparable to vintage. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's really unfun to
2: play against. Is is the thing. About this card, and it's crazy, crazy powerful. Corey, any any thoughts there?
0: It's another turn two combo. If you know, if you think Blazing is over the line, Dark Depths is over the line. If you want to make an argument that become Events is over the line, I don't understand you ever unbanned arc dubs. Yeah,
1: definitely not. It's good riddance. <laughs> All right. Now here's a this one I don't think as is, is contentious, but it's, you know, brings up conversation. Deathrite Shaman. The original one man of Planeswalker. Uh, one of my
2: five favorite magic cards ever printed. I really it's so just hurt work horsey. I adore this card. Okay. This this card I've said I've said before on on shows that like this card embodies everything I love. It's like It's a multicolor card, it costs one mana, it's a rare, not a mythic rare, it has three abilities, it's hybrid, like, it's just so cool. I don't know, everything about this card is cool to me. I love it. It's so powerful.
0: Sorry, you feel very smart using the card. It has so many different ways to interact. Uh, I mean, you're gaining life, you're exiling cards from the graveyard, you're controlling different aspects of the game, you can kill your opponent with it, it accelerates you. Just using all the different modes and different parts of the game make you feel very smart.
1: So, um, so I have a question. If it, What would you guys say if the first ability was just straight up land or elf? Um, would it still need to be banned? Yes, definitely.
0: It just, you're saying it just taps for a green? It doesn't exile a land and tap for a rainbow? Yeah, just
1: taps for a green or j- taps for a colorless. I still think it's
0: I, ridiculous. I think so. I, I, I don't think it's a matter of Hey, I be, I'm making two, yeah. three, four colors out of the card. That is the issue. I think it's the the sheer amount of flexibility for one mana Fair. is the reason why it's banned.
2: I mean, when you really when you go and you compare this to other one mana creatures in Modern, or
0: yeah, there's no one straight one mana
2: planeswalker. So creatures that become planeswalkers, this is at the top. There's like the closest ones you're getting in terms of power level and playability are. Goblin Guide, which is really good, but like, doesn't Rip even... Lama of
1: Answer is comparable. Uh, no, no, no. Death or Charm is obviously just insane. I'm just saying, in terms of
2: modern playability. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I think the most played aggressive one drop is, you know, going to be Goblin Guide and then Nicoddle, and you Delver have like Secrets. Delver, yeah. I mean, when yeah. you compare it, it's like this card's interaction and flexibility, and, and exactly, like you said, Corey, it's control over the game. That's what makes this card so crazy. It's hybrid. Like, That's why I look at
1: this card and I'm like, somebody was just like, we're going to push this thing to be so ridiculous. What's interesting is it's like not good in standard or was like mediocre in standard, but just became a dominant force in every other format. You can play this card for one half of it often. Like it's good enough to play
2: for, for the green or the black side. Yeah, yeah. So so that happens
0: a lot in Legacy now where you'll see it in decks that can produce green mana, and then we'll just have one Underground scene in their deck to produce black, or vice versa, have one Tropical Island to get the green half of it. Yeah. It's cards. actually crazy how people will literally warp their mana bases to use an activated ability on this thing and say they're Delver decks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think this card's unfair. I think we can continue moving
1: down the list. Perfect. Alright. Uh, this one's actually interesting, because I, I don't... I, I'm not convinced on it being on this list, but uh, Dig Through Time.
2: I'm... I'm no. sh- yeah, I'm hard. No, to it's just fun. Get out of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's happy with it. You,
1: so you think just dig through time. I mean, like, we don't live in a world with hard control when it was seeing play in, when it kind of stuck around in Legacy. Yes, Miracles was really strong, but did it see that much play in heavy combo decks? Mm. As a card selection I this, tool. I think
0: this creates combo decks. Like, it doesn't okay. functionally do Demonic Tutor's job. But with the ability that we already see for, say, your Infect deck or your Death Shadow aggro deck to actually just fill up the graveyard very effectively on turns one and two, Dig Through Time would be frequently going off in a combo deck that's willing to also play cards like Simeon, or not Simeon's Paragraph, excuse me, uh, to just sort of fuel the graveyard very effectively. They'll just basically play a deck with 46, 48 cards or what have you through Mishra's Bobbles, Manamorphos, Getaxian Probe. that Dig Through Time is very easy to play on turn two. And I don't want to find out what comes out of the two cards they find in their top seven.
2: I mean, look, from the, from the most basic point of view, it's, a, it's almost always played for two mana. It's very, very easy to play for two mana. As you said, Corey on turn two or you know turn three or turn four or doing something else. And on top of that, it's a two mana draw two cards out of your top seven. Like it's, it's I, I, think a, I
1: think it makes, it makes Valkut. Could- or or blue rug scape ship just the one of the tier one decks of the format. I think that's the easiest place it slots into a right now. It's a blue two for one. It's draw two for yeah. Well, I mean it, there are many blue two for ones, but it's a. <laughs> I, I see what your point is. <laughs> is there a two mana blue card? Draw two cards? No, not for two mana, but right, there's so a three mana see. one. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is
2: two at instant speed, and you get to look at the top seven. Sure. I mean that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. This should not be legal in modern.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I would not be afraid of this card. were getting played in you know say your Grixis control Jeskai rug decks, but when you start putting this into your heavy combo shells, that's where I'm really afraid. Like, does Storm like, just get Storm. to play of this?
2: Also, but, like, you, this is another one of those things where you're like, yeah, I can understand how these things happen in Standard. Because, obviously, it's not a, pro- it's not a problem in yeah. Standard.
1: Like, I, it is one of the biggest arguments I've seen for me making a Frontier deck at any point. It's literally this card. The card's sweet. Yeah. Uh, all right, next. And this has... <laughs> this is never going to get unbanned. <laughs> uh, dread Return. <laughs> yeah, this card.
2: You talk about filling your graveyard and how easy mm-hmm. it is. I mean...
1: Well it, it, this would make it so Dredge could win on turn 2. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I mean it one would of be the like rules... roll and a die but
0: <laughs> one of the rules of magic is spells have costs. This one <laughs> doesn't have a cost in Dredge. Especially now that you have 12 creatures that you don't even have to spend mana for that just plop out of your graveyard or whatever they please. Oh. No, Dredge turn is never coming back. I never want to see this card again. This card would also just make Bridge from Below just another very powerful option.
1: Oh yeah. Well, um, no. I mean, you would play Bridge. I, w- I mean, I was playing in Dredge the um, until Cathartic Reunion came out. The Quad Bridge with um, Greater Garganon lists, and right, then it so- was like, I was like, oh, this is my open hand. Bridges are insane. And with this in your grave, it's like, oh, I don't need anything in my hand. I just automatically kill people. <laughs> three and two. Yes. Well, the bottom line <laughs> is with a, with the number one deck, the big baddie
2: in. Modern does not need the the card that made it like one of the most played decks in Legacy. If Dread Return, I wouldn't was, actually
1: call it the number one deck in the format, but that yes, I agree with your second. It's a top it. two or three. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's,
2: and for in terms of unfair things you can do right now, it's the most. Is what what's missing from the Legacy lists?
1: Dread Return, uh, uh, Icarid Effect. But it, it. You get it out of Blood Gas, and you get it out of um, Prize of and Dread Correct. Return. Yeah, that's it. So yep. you're
2: just playing Legacy Dredge, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it's never, yeah. no way. The only thing you're missing after that is like. LED is breakthrough Ye- legal on modern?
1: Breakthrough isn't. LED obviously isn't. But yeah. what yeah. you what you lose with LED, like LED wasn't also played all the time originally. Yeah, no, it's, it's just a bad idea. Yeah, definitely. Let's keep going. All right, Iabugin. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's a little. <laughs> I, uh... I think anything banned in the last year. Well, I guess Splinterton will have a conversation. But Ugin was. Well, Ivugan wasn't broken, and then they printed a mechanic that comboed with it and made it broken.
2: IBUGAN <laughs> is just your classic too soon. I mean, look, the, the, <laughs> let's be let's be real, guys. The deck this was banned out of changed colors and is still a top eight powerful deck. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no need for it. It, 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 it. Two teams that were not working together dominated the the Pro Tour playing this card in two different builds. Like,
0: yep, it,
1: no, yeah. it's not coming back. <laughs> uh, this one's an interesting conversation. I think it's probably too good, but uh, and I don't know if Elves really needs the help, but a uh, Glimpse of Nature.
0: Yeah. I have it on my list of power level issues. I don't think we're ever gonna really see this card come back. Yeah. I don't know exactly what you can do
1: with Glimpse of Nature
0: outside of draw a million cards, but I think I've I think Elves played and affinity. my fair share of elves in legacy, and I know that card is really, really powerful. Yeah. Couple things. Um, the main engine from the Legacy Elves
2: deck is not available in Modern because you're missing one card, right? You're missing the uh card that I'm tr- the name I can't think of. You have you have Heritage Druid and you have Nettle Sentinel.
0: Are but or thinking you're, Gaia's Cradle,
2: a yeah. Wormwood
1: well, uh, symbiote or whatever. Wirewood symbiote. That's no. the
2: one. Yeah, you ha- you're obviously missing Cradle, but you're missing the symbiote, which is the that's the bi- the crazy like little chain you can you can get going. However, Elves in Modern was already a thing. It's already. It doesn't it, need the help. It is a. It's, thing.
1: it's two. It's won two GPs in the last two years. It's a big deck. It's a really What's good a deck. What's a GPA year? I think you're fine as a deck. I do wonder
2: if Glimpse of Nature, because the way this card functioned in Legacy Elves was different. Like it played it played into a different uh game plan with that deck the but, one but that... i think
1: the game plan you're describing is worse it plays into like a combo heavy i win after like playing a bunch of things in one turn it almost plays like storm now at least modern plays as a semi-aggro deck that has combo potential yeah what I i'm wondering is i, I
2: because the because that piece is missing i don't know that the the modern version of the deck with glimpse of nature would be that much better than the version that exists now but i don't think it's worth trying to find out because this card yeah. from a power level is definitely pushed cory
0: yeah I mean i I think it would play more similarly, in my mind, to eggs, where I just sort of want to get up from the table, go to the bathroom, and then come back and have the judge let me know that I died. Pull a Kibler. I don't want to have to sit there and watch (laughs) my opponent draw a card to their deck and figure out how much mana they have floating for the next six minutes.
1: Uh, Right. like uh, When I played Heavy Legacy, I was playing Miracles, and... I would often find myself in the draw bracket, and the two decks I would play against are Elves and Miracles. So <laughs> I yeah. don't, we don't need that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for tournament
0: organizer's sakes, no glimpse of nature, no sensei's divining top. Thank you very much. Whoa. The next card Skipping here ahead. is Great Furnace, which we've already the, covered.
1: Uh, Green Sun Zenith. This one. I, I, think, I think it's not as bad as Birthing Pod, and obviously Birthing Pod being gone, similar arguments for Green Sun Zenith, but I do think it's problematic.
2: Um, here's my thing with Greensun Zenith. This was the card when I looked over this list earlier today that I identified as the one that I was most interested in talking about. And um, Green Sun Zenith's ban came at the same time that Nacatl happened, right? Wasn't it the same banning, Kessler?
1: Uh, it was the first. No, no, no. It was the one with um, Bloodbraid? Ponder, Preordain. Yeah, it was it was the, no, it was the very first banning.
2: And then Nacatl was later?
1: Nacatl and uh, the two damage for whatever. Got it. Punishment. That was the Empire, second
2: yeah. one. So uh, thinking about Green Sun Zenith, it, like you don't need it, I guess, is, is the first thing to, to notice. Like the deck, the deck that would use it, and the decks that would use it have a pretty strong strategy anyway. Um, however, how much better is Green Sun Zenith in those decks than what they're doing now? Like, how much better is it? It, do- it uh, gets- can find
1: Malira, Kitchen Finks, and probably a sack. Yeah, the green black sack outlet. You can find any part of that combo pretty easily.
2: Yeah, for one more mana, one time, and it reshuffles. It's, it's, it's really good in
1: terms of versatility, but it's still... Probably too good. On two mana, you get the one... Th- actually, the best argument for Green Sun's Death coming off, similar to kind of the Mox Oval conversation, is you need to get rid of... Dryad uh, Arbor. Dryad Arbor, which is a fine argument, because Dryad Arbor can be used to do kind of unfair things. Uh, and it's like a... It's, you know, my... When we get to another Dredge card, or when we talk about unbannings, uh, my card for that is similar to that uh, in Narco Amoeba. These are cards mm. that don't work like Magic should work. Um, but green sun zenith with that also is a bird a or elf and everything else
2: yeah 100 i mean yeah the only reason i say that there's a chance this card could be legal i, I definitely agree with you Dryad arbor and then the last part of it is just like uh, collected companies a two for one uh, uh court of callings instant speed you know this is sorcery speed it makes whatever you're doing one turn slower modern such an aggressive such a fast format right now i don't know that spending one extra mana on a green sun zenith is what you want to be doing anyway. Like I don't know if that playing this card makes it so that in fact is less good against you, or that affinity can't crush you, or death shadow aggro, or you know Naya burn doesn't just kill you. So that's that's my only thing with this card, Corey.
0: At first I was totally against it, but the more you've talk, you've spoken about it, I I'm not sure anymore. I I do believe that it has sort of the the problems that birthing pod does from a power standpoint, but I don't know how much of the problem it has deck diversity wise. Where birthing pod you are pretty far over the line because you just get to consistently do it turn after turn green suns out just because it has to shuffle back in you have to go find another copy there are some trade-offs there. also only finding green creatures is a, is a different story I, I still think that it should not be unbanned but i do see arguments for hey i am already willing to you know cast this night of the reliquary i'm the fair guy you should hook the fair guy up um I, sure, there, there's probably some combo there going on with Melira that may be a bit over the line. But yes, the, the biggest thing in my mind is if you unban this card, I think you need to have Dryard Arbor go.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's the big issue. It, it has Deathrite Shaman problems then. As soon as you get rid of that Deathrite Shaman problem, it becomes a little bit more fair. Where yep. it's good on turn 1 and it's good on turn 10. Um, Hypergenesis, I think we can all agree. Problems with Cascade. If I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't see this being a thing. Yeah, hypergenesis.
2: I mean, this is just <laughs> there's just no need. Turn to three it.
1: instant speed. Emerald seems. Oh, like a you bad don't idea.
0: like you <laughs> don't like putting in play thirty power of creatures on the first turn. You don't find that fun. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I don't know <laughs> what magic you like to play.
2: <laughs> seems very seems very unfair. Now for one of the more interesting ones and one that we'll talk about for just a minute because I know Corey. I texted you yesterday and this is the one you immediately brought up. Jace the Mind Sculptor.
0: <laughs> this is probably the card that I hear people on Twitter most talking about. Of. If you want to make control viable, unban Jace the Mind Sculptor. Guess what? Don't unban Jace the Mind Sculptor. Magic will be miserable.
1: Yeah, I think I think a people forget a just how miserable playing against Jace in general is, and that control deck is miserable. But beyond that, the it's still good in combo decks. Like the the thing that Jace does, and the reason it would problem with Splinter Twin, and would be problem with whatever blue deck combo deck comes around now, is it digs while presenting a threat that if you you either have to answer it or kill them, and by not spending time answering it you don't kill them and they combo off or by spending time killing them they can tutor or brainstorm until they get the thing they need the combo off and combo off so it's like this lose if you win lose win if you lose kind of situation
0: correct it opens up the door to just combo control decks where you're just like sitting there on pins and needles ready to answer maybe their creature combo and splinter twin and then they just play a jace and you're like oh well now nah, i'm just gonna lose to that jace here's the so argument I think that's fine that there's different alt win combos but i think what the format then turns into is How do I prevent my opponent from playing Jace? And you start getting down this world of, well, now I'm just a mono blue control deck with, like, disrupting Shoal, fighting the mirror, and all these other free spells that are just... Free spells are a bad thing. Jace the Mind Sculptor is going to incentivize that more by being this win condition that both draws you cards, gets problems off the table, prevents your opponent from playing the game. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Ben.
2: Here's the reason don't unban Jace the Mind Sculptor. The best players in the world, the best players in the world, when you talk to them, all have the same reaction, which is they kind of laugh, like, <laughs> uh, don't unban this card. Like, <laughs> it's, not like they think, it's not like they're it's not like they scared of it. It's not like they're like, oh, I'll get beat. The game won't be fun. It's like, don't give me this card. You don't want me to have to be able like, to play this card. They're the ones that card. want it unbanned. Yeah, like, completely. But yeah, no. Yeah,
1: I, I think the, the last piece of information here is just they have to print this card into the ground because this moment they unban it, it's already a $100 card, and it's banned in everything that people play. <laughs> it's not even a commander card. It's in commander. So by unbanning this card, it would go from like $100 to $400, and we don't need a 200 to $400 card in Modern. Where's it legal? Vintage? Legacy. 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 Yeah, yeah.
0: It's very good in Legacy, too. Those are the... Di- yeah, okay, great. <laughs> and that, that's a format where people die on turn one. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Modern people are currently complaining about dying on turn three. It breaks the, it like breaks
2: the stigma that a four-drop is, is not good enough for modern. It's played in freaking vintage, guys. It's a four-drop in vintage. How good is it going to be in modern? I think we can do
0: Exactly. If, um, if you try hard enough to survive, though, like the, Mir- the Miracles deck, I think, is the poster child for who plays Jace. If you want to try hard enough to survive to cast a four-mana spell, you can cast your four-mana spell. and But that four-mana spell better win the game. Jace the Mind Sculptor wins the game. I would like to say that I've done a good enough job proving if you want to survive to turn four to cast Cryptic Command, you can survive to cast Cryptic Command <laughs> in modern. Please, please, please do not unban
2: Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, it seems like a disaster. The next card on the list here is Mental Misstep, one of the Phyrexian mana cards we had mentioned. Um, you mentioned misstep.format, right, Kessler?
1: Yeah, so here's the deal. There's a format that people have played, and I asked for a list, and no one gave it to me on Twitter, So, I, and I, I'm too lazy to look it up, but people have held no-ban list modern tournaments where every card is legal, and it's not that undiverse. It's a diverse format. People are doing extremely powerful things, and there's definitely problematic things, but the one thing about it, if I was going to say you had to ban one card, the one-ban card that you have to ban in a non-ban card format, it's mental misstep basically the the format is every deck plus you have to play for this card. This card is not good for magic. It wasn't good when it was in legacy. It wasn't good. It's just it should just be banned forever. When it
2: was in standard, standard began to devolve into these aggressive delver decks that were all playing three and four copies of this in the main deck. I have memories of like misstepping my opponent's delver on turn 1 and then misstepping my misstep. That wasn't standard. It's like all it does is it takes a form- any color, any <clears throat> any one
1: a, a counter is a bad idea. Any color counterspell is a bad idea, and a free counterspell is bad. When has a free counter spell not been powerful? Yeah,
2: it's this 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 is this is like one of those cards where it's it's an interesting idea to consider it, but it's not a good thing for diversity and fun, and uh, it would make. Modern, not a good format. So let's continue. Uh, we'll group the well, two together here, the next two. No, I disagree with that statement. But
1: Corey, any comments on Mental Misstep?
0: It's a it's another poster child for why free spells are bad, Phyrexian mana is scary, and yeah, <clears throat> Mental Misstep, I think, just ruins way too much of the fun of deck building and actually playing your spells.
1: All right, so next is Ponder, which I, I don't think can be banned in well, Modern So ever. let's compare the two, because they're, they're obviously different, but sure. we
2: they are the same conversation. Ponder and Preordain. They're banned at the same sure. time out of the original Should twin deck.
0: Should we compare the four? Should we also compare it to Slide of Hand and Serum Vision simultaneously? Sure, uh, I'm down with that. I mean, if, we will in this
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: so ponder and preordain, guys, if you're listening and you're saying to yourself,
0: oh my god, really?
2: Those cards, really? Those were legal and modern at one time? Like, I can't believe that.
1: Like, the, Yeah. yeah they, they were banned alongside the... They were in that first banning that include Cloud Post and include greenson Sun Zenith yeah. and include Blazing Shoal.
2: They were in the Splinter twin deck and uh, they were banned because the consistency of the deck was too high and the deck was, was dominant and uh, it that's... Same reason they're banned now. So without explaining what they do, comparing the four cards, I think Sleight of Hand is an easy one. Sleight of Hand doesn't get played as a four of an X anyway. It's kind of, it's not an irrelevant card, but I don't think Sleight of Hand is a real problem. Um, the real question is, Serum so Visions is legal, Ponder and preordain aren't. Should one of these three be legal that, that is currently banned?
1: Should uh, more I than think one be legal? I think two of them should be legal. So, so <clears throat> Ponder, I think, is too powerful. I think with Fetchlands, if Fetchlands weren't in the Fonder format, we could talk about Ponder. But in, with the fetch, Ponder. in the Fonder? In the Fonder. Because Fetchlands are legal and modern, Ponder is too powerful. It digs for the most cards of any of these cards, and it gives you the ability to shuffle on top of it. It's just not probably a fair thing to be putting into the format. But the, com- co- the conversation to me is really Serum Visions versus Preordain. And I think you don't ban one or the other. I think one of them, can- I-, I honestly believe, and we can disagree with this, that Preordain should be unbanned. Um, Serum Visions is a card that is worse than Preordain, but the way it is worse specifically is a m- more aggressive leaning card. Right now, we live in a format where there are a bunch of cards out there, or decks out there, that kill you on turn three, turn four. And there's no real way to dig the turn you need to to find the piece you need to win. So you're stuck in the situation where you have to either play aggressive against them or not. Preordain lets you dig for the answers you need to fight those decks.
2: I mean, in the current Modern Thoughtscour is more powerful than than Serum Visions. <laughs> it's the more important <laughs> card. It's like actually, it's actually does more for the decks that it does than I think Serum Visions does for its decks.
1: Corey?
0: So... There's a few things going on there. I think Ponder is certainly way too good, especially with Fetchlands. It sees four cards. You look at three, and then if you choose to shuffle, you're seeing a fourth card. Uh, sure, it can be a part of the same subset, but that's a, a different story, different time. Uh, Sleight of Hand is clearly the worst. It sees two cards. You don't see anything beyond that. The two cards that see three, Preordain and Sleight of Hand, uh, sorry, no, Sleight of Hand, uh, Serum Visions, Preordain, you are aggressively finding some sort of peace with Preordain. With Preordain, you're specifically looking for you know, maybe a hate card, maybe a combo piece. The reason for that is you're getting the scries up front, then you're getting to draw a card. So you're just controlling which card actually ever enters your hand. With Serum Visions, you're getting that upfront information of here are all the puzzle pieces you have now. Now plan out the next turn. With Preordain, you're not really looking to plan too far in the future. You're trying to plan for right now. With Serum Visions, you're planning for the future. I think that's the sort of distinction I make for why Preordain needs to be banned and Serum Visions is not because um, Serum Visions isn't going to frequently cause something degenerate to happen. Like, you have one more turn to fight it if they scry the card to the top. With Preordain, if they scry one to the top, you better hope you're not dead that turn.
1: But on, on the reverse side of that, you have a situation where Pre- you know if you're going to do something unfair, which these cards are generally used to do, first off, Pre- or, sorry, Serum Visions forces you to do those things, you know, cast it one turn one and two, making it heavily less good in the late game. Where Pyrdain lets decks kind of play towards that late game, allowing themselves to get to a point where they can kind of control the board and waste the time in the beginning to control it to so that they can use this to do something in the late game to not die.
0: Uh, sure. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that in the whole sense. I sort of disagree a little bit with the you have to play Seren Visions on turn one and two. I personally like playing Seren Visions very frequently in the late game once you've sort of figured out, okay, this is exactly what the board looks like. Here are the problems that still currently exist, at least from the aspect of a control deck where... It's like, okay, I get my next resource, which is I'm drawing my one card, and now I get to look at two more. Whereas Preordain, I'm only getting to see two cards up front. Getting to see all three of the cards is very effective for a control deck that just needs to answer one threat that remains. That being said, I, I don't disagree with some of the arguments that you're making, but I do think that Preordain is just on a different level than Syrivision still, just ever so slightly.
1: Oh, I, I definitely think it's more powerful. I don't think that... Is a fair argument for me to make, but I, I guess my point is it allows people to play more to the late game, which is what modern needs more. So than you want sure. it and Seer Missions
2: both legal. Yeah, I think it's
1: fine. And, and I think the argument is like blue decks would become too, or blue combo decks would become too good, but we can talk about Infect, and I, I think Infect just needs cards banned out of it, and that's a different conversation. But there's not really a tier 1.5 even blue combo deck in the format. I think yeah, that, I, think,
0: I think it's pretty clearly tier two
2: or tier three. I think it just gets scary real fast. It's not very fun. Let's and, continue. And that, let's continue the conversation. Um,
1: punishing fire. Yeah, I, I mean this makes every creature deck not work.
2: <laughs> yeah, punishing fire to me is one of those things that when you talk about uh, the the modern format being fun and you want it to be fun and and you want to one of the reasons you ban things is to make the format more fun. So eggs losing second sunrise or sensei's divining top not being a legal card. That's in the interest of fun. I think Punishing Fire with Grove, them both being legal, that's, that's not fun. It's, not, it's just genuinely not a fun thing to have. Uh, creatures are great. Attacking with creatures is great for newer players who are getting into the format. And yeah, it's really hard to win with a creature deck if this card's legal.
0: Of There's just a huge deck diversity problem if you have Punishing Fire legal with any easy way to gain life. Grove of the Burnwells is you know, the usual example because that was what was played alongside. Punishing Fire just doesn't allow you to play sort of a metric of the game where the Punishing Fire deck then becomes the fairer deck, because it's just invalidating all the creatures, so the way to play becomes, okay, I'm going to play some big mana deck, or I'm going to play some combo deck. If if Punishing Fire and Grove of the Burnwells exist simultaneously, you're not really going to see your Infect deck, you're not going to see an Affinity deck. It's going to be much more difficult for something like Death Shadow aggro to exist, but thankfully it's creatures of larger quality uh, can sort of get over that, but you wouldn't see the Kiln Fiend deck, for example. Punishing Fire is a card that I think does too much damage, but I do wonder if the card could exist without Grove of the Burn. Well,
2: 100% it could, yeah. I don't think that's... I mean, in my opinion, that's there's, that's not a question, because the, the loop is those two cards together. But
1: Yeah, but A, it's one of those... It's kind of like the the Stoneforge Mystic or Birthing Pod co- conversation of Wizards might print a card that just does something with this card at some point, where they're not going to print many cards that combo off with the the land.
2: Right. I think, you know... Merfolk and Elves both winning Grand prize in the last couple of years. Those are really good things for Modern. I think that's awesome. Yeah, the fact um, that these
1: just kill those decks. Because I, I do think like, the bigger decks that you mentioned, Corey, do get hurt by this, and that might be a positive. But z- any chance that Zoo ever had of being a deck goes away. Any chance that yeah. um, Agreed. you have Goblins being a deck or Merfolk or Elves, or you know, those are the decks that we want to be good in, for- in the format, and this completely invalidates them. Yeah, I agree. Um, next is Rate of Flame. Um, it's this
2: is not even the most egregious of the ones we're going to talk about. I think we can probably loop this in with the other, which is Seething Song, because Seething yes, Song. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Seething Song and Rite of Flame. Actually, I think Rite of Flame is worse than Seething.
2: I think Rite of Flame is more
0: powerful than Seething Song.
1: Also, yeah, by a wide margin. But I, I, I think I, I, I agree. So, and yeah.
2: I, I don't think Seething Song should be unbanned. Storm is still playable now with without sure. either of these cards legal. It's still a legitimate thing you can do.
1: I do think Seething Song was the second most. Out of left field ban, I've ever seen. I don't think they were wrong necessarily, but I, and I'm not saying it should be unbanned, but when it was banned, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was totally, it was a, it was a total uh, out of fear ban as well, opposed to. What was happening was that Storm was dirt cheap on Moto and you could figure out how to play it. So it was heavily overrepresented on Moto right before the banning happened. So they banned it because they don't like Storm and because people weren't playing it too much on Moto. But every tournament kind of didn't, it never won anything. It just got banned because it was overrepresented.
2: Yeah, but I, honestly, the, my my f- feeling is that even after this banning, you would still see people like John Finkel show up to a pro tour playing Storm. And like, without... I mean, he the, hasn't
1: played, I, I think he just plays Infect every time, but that's a different... But that was before, but Cumberman's <laughs> Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, I'm i just, that, the fact that there were still pros playing Storm after this card was banned at the highest level is like, you do not need Seething Song or Ride of Flame Legal. They're yeah, I, both, think, I think we're fine. They don't do anything for the format other
0: than make Storm better, really.
1: Right. Uh, next is Sensei's Divining Top. Cool. Um, Corey, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Wait,
0: uh, Sorry. N- nothing to add to that. No, I, I absolutely do not want either Rite of Flame or Seething Song around. But we don't want to forget Second Sunrise. Here. Right. We skip
1: stuff because Ben moved us forward, and I'm bad at this. You're going to blame me? Yeah. Second <laughs> Sunrise. Uh, this is the eggs deck. I mean, actually, the next two talks we're gonna t- cards we're going to talk about kind of fit in the same kind of boat of. This was banned... Not necessarily for power level reasons, it was more banned because it was the deck it was in could take 30 minute turns in turns, so just tournaments would never kind of function correctly. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I played yep. against the eggs deck at a couple of grand Prixs when it was in its prime, and uh, it's not fun, <laughs> it's just solitaire, and like that's it's that's it's one of the problems, it is it is that is one of the problems with having. Uh, such a large card pool of redundancy is that that will happen. You're just going to end up with those decks that are going to come out of nowhere. When Sifco won the pro tour playing this deck, it, it was not one of those things where eggs was a, was a premier deck. It was like an eggs was a moto deck. People were good with, and people knew about it. And he was like a chess wizard who was like, yeah, I'm just going to spend the requisite number of hours being perfect with this deck and never make a mistake. And then he won a pro tour doing it. And it was like, "Uh Oh, we need to, We need to make sure we get rid of cards that create, magic in this way and uh, that's why it's gone and there's just no need for this card to come back this was not a card anybody played in any other deck other than that that time yeah. in eggs and that season cory
0: you you hit the nail right on the head i was going to bring up the point of this is the closest thing in magic to playing chess where you basically have removed all of the variants because over half your deck cantrips the other piece of your deck is sort of this resurrection of all these cantripping artifacts you have ways to produce huge swaths of mana because it brings back a card uh, like Lotus Bloom to produce another Black Lotus effect. Uh, the, the biggest problem with this, and what we'll get into with Sensei's Divining Top here, is people would literally take 15-20 minute turns. Like, that, that's just unheard of, and this is not slow playing. You are literally taking actions every 10 seconds. You just actually drew that many cards. I think this, that type of deck existing is one of the worst possible things you can have from a, a tournament organization sense. And also just from a, who is having fun when this is going on? Right. Sure, your, your chess wizard Stan Sifka, you know, super brilliant dude is having a blast, but is, you know, every single other person in the tournament having fun? No, he just wasted 20 minutes out of 2,000 people's pockets. Yeah,
1: fully. Alright, next card, because it's similarly themed. Sensei's Divining Top Once again, yeah, Um, Yeah, it's it's like uh, on top of it taking too long. It's probably also just too good. Like I I, like uh, it is often cited just for the fact that it's the problematic of timing part of this card. But in reality, this card is, I would say better than preordain and ponder. Here's my thing with this card.
2: Um, We're it's another card that on this meeting I said, I were going to have this is going to be on the table for a ban in Highlander roulette, which again is like, for all the reasons that it's banned in modern, but more than that magic the the game itself lends itself to a, a large large wealth of personalities but one of the personality types that play magic are people that are very introverted, very quiet, like to think who are very smart, who don't communicate very well and when you are playing against someone like that who plays this card and is taking the time each turn to think about each combination of cards on top it creates very very uncomfortable unfun games not only because it's taking so long but because they're doing something and they're allowed to do and it's so infuriating to play against that's just not a situation that wizards of the coast wants to have in tournament play and i think that alone is a reason for this card not to be legal in modern
0: Corey? i think there's also a power level concern to this card because is counterbalance a card that's legal in modern yep yeah i i can't imagine having both Sensei's Divine divining top and counterbalance legal in another format i I mean, if I were going to GP Louisville, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. I would be playing Miracles. I believe that's just the best deck you can possibly play. That that, that combination of cards with fetch lanes, even without Brainstorm, is just exceptionally powerful. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot imagine ever bringing this card off of the ban list just for the sheer power level of it with counterbalance around, let alone the, you know, sort of tournament organization reasons of so many games going over time because people only got to play Thirty turns of magic because somebody spun their top 32 times
2: yeah the next card on our list here is skull clamp um and to me this is the number one most unfair ridiculous stupid card like i there this is one of those cards where i'm like i don't even understand how this ever got printed because there's zero arguments i can make for this in modern it's it's
1: like it's like up there with memory jar memory jar with one of the quickest cards to get banned out of a format
0: yeah there's I, I believe the way this got printed was this was the first or second set in which uh, equipment it was, were being I think printed. It
1: was, it was the first, I believe.
0: Okay, so this was original and I thought it was in the second set. Um, I'll but check just in case. But.
2: It was supposed to be plus one, plus one. In the last, last minute in design, they changed it to plus one, minus one. That's, that's right. the story. They,
0: they never actually tested that change in development. It just sort of was like, okay, it's going to print now. And they never thought of, well, what's going to happen when you just start suiting up all your different tokens or all your little mana elves or, you know, squirrel's nest or whatever the heck it was that it was getting played in. And it's just like, oh, I'll just draw 24 cards. This card in oh, you're, conjunction... You were
1: correct, by the way. It was dark steel th-
2: This okay. card in conjunction with uh, modern planeswalkers that make tokens is would be the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It would be like, oh, yeah, I'll just play my creatureless deck with skull
0: clamps and planeswalkers. This is fun. That's it's very worst. easy to slot this into elves, but yeah, you're even looking at a fair and fun way to play where it's like, oh, I'm going to put my you know, Nissa voice of Zendikar with my skull clamp. <laughs> so like, oh, I'm like, man... Yeah, uh, affinity. Glimpse of Nature, we were talking about how that's probably too powerful. Skullclam's like, oh yeah, I'll just deck myself on turn two or whatever. Yeah, there's no <laughs>
2: question. So moving on to the next card here, uh, Splinter Twin, you know, this is a really interesting one. This, this one and the next one both, I think, are the last two really fascinating conversations to have.
1: Splinter Twin we talked about at length. We have a
2: whole episode and when this card completely banned.
1: Completely different ways, because I don't think unbanning Splinter Twin is something that should happen. But mm-hmm. I, I do think it's my, my number one out of left field banning it was after before seething song
2: yeah in in the world we live in now without a pro tour it's much much less defensible for this card to be gone and i i mean i totally think that the best deck in modern in terms of interaction and playability and the best players if this card was legal would still be would still be splinter twin i think i think dredge would have an argument because of its speed and it's like doing something really unfair but the best players are really good at commanding the game and controlling and and interacting and and being very decisive with their turns and that's what the splinter twin deck was about the fact that all you have to do is survive and sort of manage and maneuver until you just win out of nowhere or you had that whole bolt snap bolt thing
1: yeah i don't i don't know if i can think of decks that have shown up in the format that are heavily played right now that wouldn't be because of splinter twin
2: yeah, I mean, I think split, so. It's the Diversity funny. Wise. The funniest thing is that Splinter Twin shaped the format. I mean, from, from day one until the time it was well, banned. I guess
1: what I'm saying now is that I don't think it does now. Like, what deck would you? What major deck right now in modern wouldn't see play because of Splinter Twin?
0: I don't believe Banthal would exist. This would be another deck with main deck Blood Moon that would have a combo element to it. Like, sure, Banthal can try to adapt and play a bunch more Dismembers, but I think the deck's just not going to be able to survive with this running around. I think Splinter Twin does a huge amount of work because it has a swath of excellent sideboard cards, uh, mostly that you get out of red, but blue having the ability to card draw into those things. Um, Another problem with this is the hosers like Blood Moon exist. I I think Dredge would get pretty quickly invalidated. Sure, Tron wouldn't exist. Scape Ship would be much worse, or sorry, Titan Ship would be much worse. I, I think Splinter Twin does still do a lot of work of fighting those decks out of the format, but I don't think it would sort of fight your your Infect, your Zoo, your Burn decks, I think all of those decks still do get to exist. But I think you're losing some of the interesting players that we've picked up in the last 18 to, maybe not 18 months, maybe like 12 months. I, th- I, I sure. think
2: that the length of time that has happened, that, that has passed since this card was banned, is not, first of all, long enough. Uh, and we have not seen the format grow and survive and flourish for long enough since this banning to justify an arbitrary unbanning. So I think eventually they'll unban Splinter Twin. I do. I think... A year or two from now, they definitely will because eventually the format will have found all these other ways to be powerful and and you know uh, amazing and, and do all these crazy things, and I don't think that the card Splinterton will like turn that on its head, but I think the format has to be that way for quite a while and see a lot of decks do a lot of cool things before you can risk that, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just too recent. Um, the next card on our list, though, is the other most talked about one. I think this is actually the single most talked about card next to Bloodbraid Elf on our list, uh, for possible unbannings. Maybe Jace. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in terms of realistic. And that's, yeah, yeah. this is Stoneforge yeah. Mystic.
1: I think Stoneforge... I mean, once again, I mean, I think... If I had my magical dream world, the next ban list would be Ban Become Immense, Ban semi Spirit Guide, May... And then Unbanned, Stoneforge Mystic, Bloodbred Elf, and Pre-Rain all at once. But, uh... I don't think lot. that's going to happen. That's <laughs> aggressive. I mean, look, the, the, the <laughs> easiest card
2: to answer Stoneforge Mystic with is Colagun's Command. That's the thing that's happened since this banning, that is these single, like,
1: the single most just like this is the foil to this. You- and the fact that I don't, like, how many decks is a 4 4 on turn, 4 4 Vigilance Life Link on turn three? Like, there are decks like Burn has a problem, but I don't think making Burn worse is a big deal. And, like, the random zoo aggro decks get hit really hard, but Dredge stomps over Stoneforge Mystic. In fact, it laughs in the face of this card.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, don't, I really don't think Stoneforge Mystic is a problem. Now, I do
1: think, I do think that... Um, One thing I do think Bloodbury Elf needs to happen at the same time, I think doing just Stoneforge Mystic makes it so Junk just becomes better than Junt. But by bringing both in the play, you A, get a Naya deck that's like a big Naya deck that plays both. You get a Jund deck and you get a Junk deck that all have different reasons to exist in different facets.
2: I think that in a vacuum, when you look at the power level of Stoneforge Mystic, it's too high for modern. I think that when you think about the format now and the context of this card, you can make an argument that it should be unbanned. However... You oh, unbanned Stoneforge Mystic, Jace. yeah, okay, but you unbanned Stoneforge Mystic and you give it some time, and sure, at the beginning, like maybe you're running into a sort of the meat conversation where it's like, oh, you know, this is this is not so good, and then six months or nine months from now, this shows up as a four of them, some really 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 good deck, and you're like, oh man, this card's legal now, and like, ah, oh, this is a pain, and and I it's
1: I, a fair magic, like Tarmogoyf does that,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I hear you does
1: that. I'm never like, oh man, jund won with Tarmogoyf's. I'm like that's okay. That's what modern looks like. I don't think I don't think it would be like Golgari Grave Troll is now. Where I think this it went a year without doing anything and is now oppressive. I think Stoneforge uh, Mystic would be good immediately, but it would be fairly good forever. I don't know
2: if you're right. I think this card's tricky. I think this card's really, really, really good. I think you can unban it, but I don't think it's an easy one, Corey.
0: I I agree with Ben here. I I think the amount of sort of flexibility of this card also adds in terms of deck building of which swords do I want to include obviously I want my Batter Skull just because I get a, you know, 2 mana to tutor for a 4 mana 4-4 four, four life, or 0 mana 4-4 four, four lifelink, I guess it's like 2 mana when you put it into play, but I, I think this card still does a little bit more than you're giving it credit for, Alex oh,
1: definitely, sure, It does a lot, sure, it's definitely you can, powerful. Compare
0: it, you can compare it pretty fairly to Tarmogoy for it's like 2 mana 6-7 versus 2 mana to search for the right piece in the right matchup I I would sort of like to see more fair white decks. I think Craig Wescoe is really the only player that sort of champions the, I'm going to fight fair with my little white creatures and we're going to take them into battle and we're going to fight for the good side of things. I I would sort of like to see that more from Stoneforge Mystic, uh, you know, sort of it bringing that to the table. But I think it does it in a way where I, I'm worried that it would invalidate the other fair decks where the only way to fight fair is to just have the most Joan forward decks.
2: Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I think. I, I think you could do it. This would be right on the edge of power level and like taking a, a really interesting risk, but I don't think that it's a slam dunk. Like, oh, we're just going to make Modern better with this card. I think this could very easily make Modern worse. Uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, the next card on our list here is Summer Bloom. Another fairly recent banning. Look, this card got played in one deck Ever. <laughs> the deck was really unfair. <laughs> it was totally uninteractive. It could win out of nowhere. I guess if you
1: were going to get rid of like
2: Spirit Guide,
1: there's a yeah, chance. But it, but so. The deck was not playing Spirit Guide at the end. I think you could maybe argue getting rid of Primeval Titan. is Which the, would kill the deck, Which though. kills the deck. Well, it kills a lot of decks. And I, I don't think we need to get rid of Primeval Titan. Um Right. though I do think Stoneforge Mystic is comparable to that power level, but different moving on. But so, yeah, I think Summer Bloom just makes sense. I don't, I don't Co- have a Corey, good. any thoughts there?
0: It's another thing of just breaking fundamental rules of magic. I already have a big problem with the, hey, here are all these free zero mana spells. Here's this I'm gaining one mana for zero mana kind of thing. This is, why don't you just gain three mana for two mana? It's like, wait, right. I'm actively happy to put Farseek and, you know, Sakura tri in my deck. You're telling me I can just go straight from two to six whenever I feel like it? This is great. Sign me up. Yeah, totally.
1: Treasure Cruise, this is another broken format by itself. Like, I, I mean, if it, we think Dig Through Time isn't worth having, Treasure Cruise is it, significantly worse. Corey
2: and I are both on the side of Treasure Cru- of, of Dig being unfair. I, I don't even have to voice my opinion. Treasure Cruise is like... I, I literally was at the Machinima offices the other day having a conversation with those guys about why Hearthstone design is where it is and what it's going to take. And I was like, yeah, Magic's been around for all this time. But it doesn't change the fact that they printed Ancestral Recall and Treasure Cruise, like 22 years apart and Treasure Cruise is not that much worse. Like, it's it's ac- really not. It's worse, but like, it kind of is exactly the same thing in a lot of situations, and that's a mistake they made 20-some-odd years later after like the first several years of the game being just just asinine in terms of like how the, the card design was. And I was like, that's why you're going to see Hearthstone struggle for a long time to figure out its rules, because even Magic, the best at what it does for as long as it's done it, made the mistake 22 years later.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I'm just sad that I chose to play four main deck Relic of Progenitus. at the only Grand Prix I remember this card being legal at. Card was... I played against eight players that weekend playing four Treasure Cruises in their deck. And at the end of it, I was like, man, I'm so stupid. They're having way more fun than I am. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Um, Tree of Tales. I, I do think, I mean, this is the artifact land that could be unbanned if you're only going to ban one. But I do agree with Corey that just unbanning one is a wonky thing to do. Yeah, agreed. Yep.
2: Moving on to the next card is Umazawa's Um The most unfair equipment next to Skullclamp ever printed. It's... And Skullclamp's
1: not an equipment. It says equipment, but it's not yeah. an
0: equipment. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gitae... Oddly enough, yeah, this is the card that I actually get spoken to probably the most about people wanting to unban. And I never played when Jitte was running around with the legend rule where you just wanted to get your GTA into play first, or let alone when it was, you know, my GTA blows up your GTA. Like, I don't know if I've ever actually, like, played with this card outside of cube, but just the things that this does, like, think how punishing fire makes you feel like when you're trying to play creatures, if you don't get to play the game. Umazawa's Jite does that, but it sits on the board, and it just punches you in the face every turn where you're like, I'm gonna play my creature, and it's like... Yeah, kill your creature. Okay, I've got gain 6 life
1: sitting on the board. It's Here, a, sure. it, it's a legacy staple. I was playing mono black pox and a deck with no creatures and I was still deathly afraid of Umazaz GTE. This is what I can <laughs> say about this is what I can say about Jitae.
2: My only thought, I am a guy who likes to play my style of magic. I have the style that I like to play. It's like very y it's kind of aggressive. It plays creatures with low toughness that can deal a lot of damage and i've done it for years and i've done it in multiple formats and i love it there's no card i hate playing against more than <laughs> it actually is soul crushing to play against this card for me like i'll see it come down that's
1: what i thought you were going to say and gta just fits right into that deck i was like you can't you can't be okay with gta and not okay with so porch mystic
2: i hate like i hate playing against it so much and i know that my that the style of magic i like is not that's not a unique style there's a lot of people that really like to do that that like to play very very efficient tempoy low cmc cards with efficient creatures and if that style is invalidated by this one card, it's just such a powerful effect. You don't need it. Those, those decks are already fragile enough. You don't need gta running around. It's just, it does too much. It's, it's like the, the equipment version of Rite Shaman. It's like the same thing. Makes you feel really smart.
0: It's a very apt comparison. Yeah. It also turns off L's, It turns off Merfolk. It turns off Burn. Like, if you're talking about more cards to fall into the this ruins deck diversity in Modern, this card's very high up on the list.
2: Yeah, 100%. So the last card on here is, is Vault of Whispers, which is the the black artifact land we've already talked about. So that's we the list. We started
1: with the artifact lands, and we ended with the artifact lands. It's been a long episode, so we're, I'm going to jump into quick wrapping up. Okay. Uh, but thanks for everyone listening. Those are our banlist conversations. Any? Well, I guess before we wrap up, Nate, what card would you say you would want unbanned if you could pick one? Of uh,
0: artifact lands. Um,
1: I'll give you two, actually. Let's take two. Go,
0: and oh,
1: another I'll one? Two? There? Yeah. Or just Artifact Lands. That's like your one.
0: Cast, you have I'll, your... Take, I'll take Artifact Lands and I'm willing to gamble on Bloodbraid Elf is my next highest on my list, but I don't think I get to play Grixis in many more tournaments as Bloodbraid Elf's going to do a lot of work to my soul.
1: So yeah, mine's Bloodbraid Elf and, and, and Stoneforge Mystic. But the reason I said, too, is because I think Bloodbred Elf should come off. Stoneforge Mystic is my like. I'd
2: gamble on Stoneforge Mystic and go with the Artifact Lands. And maybe... Uh, you know what? Actually, I'd go with, I would go with Stoneforge Mystic and I would gamble on Tree of Tales and keep Mox Opal legal. Those are... That's like the... You,
1: you would you would say Stoneforge Mystic over Bloodbred Elf?
2: I hate Jund. <laughs> 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 hey, I, I, I don't... I like Artifact decks. I've never really liked Jund. And I remember playing against Jund when Bloodbred Elf was legal. And it's fine. Like, it's... The card is powerful, but it doesn't make me feel like playing against that deck would be any more fun. I don't think that those decks, those mid-range decks like need to be that much better. And I think John, I think John gets a lot better with that card.
0: I miss when the ban list had embarrassing cards on it, like wild Nakata. That I could just look and laugh and go, that card dies to a lightning bolt. Why can't we have that card? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure.
2: So, all right guys, thank you so much. That's the episode. If you want to follow along with any of us, uh, follow the podcast at the MM cast. You can find me at Ben Bateman media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at Kess Wiley.
0: And I'm at Corey
2: underscore Burkhart. Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation. And I know, guys, we wanted to get to the part of the conversation that was, uh, you know, what banning cards, cards should be banned. And maybe we'll save that for another episode. We, we, we sprinkle through that conversation episode to episode. So. I, will,
1: I will hot take, give you uh, currently become immense with is at 43% and Simeon Spirit Guide is second at 24% on our online pool that I did like a championship of them, but we didn't get to go over today. So. I
0: voted, but I uh, didn't make a thousand fake Twitter accounts to try to swing the vote in my favor. I'd ban Simeon Spirit Guide. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, there we go. But Simeon Spirit Guide did get to, you know the finals. There yeah. was two rounds. All Absolutely. right, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Corey. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye, guys.
0: Thank you for your attention. See you later,
2: alligator.